How would you like to live a life where people would not only honor you now, but remember you after you're gone? Could you really live a life that's legendary? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, if you're a regular listener, you know it's rare that I have a guest on, but every once in a while, there's somebody comes along where I think the message is so applicable to the kind of things we talk about day after day here on the 48 Days Podcast. This is one of those times. I'm going to be interviewing my friend, Tommy Breedenlove. He has a brand new book out called Legendary, and there are enough principles in there where we walk right through the very kind of things that we address week after week, how to find your purpose, how to find your zone of genius, the importance of gratitude. I just thought it'd be easier for me to have him have a conversation with my friend, Tommy, rather than trying to unpack it on my own. So here's my interview with Tommy Breedlove. Well, Tommy, I so appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here to talk about your book, but broader than that, to talk about this concept of legendary. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much, my friend, Dan Miller. This is this is an honor, and I'm so happy to be here with you today, my friend. Well, thank you. You know, having a friendship um, really expands the concept of discussing a book together. When you know a book came from somebody's heart, as this certainly mm. did from yours, it really puts it in a different frame. Me knowing you as a friend, in addition to just seeing your words on a page. So I, w- I want our listeners to know that there is that, that uh, <laughs> there's a lot of depth to our conversation here, but we are going to discuss uh, some principles out of your book that kind of share that. So right out of the gate in your book, tell me you describe a very dramatic transformation of your life a few years ago. After a friend asked you this question, do you want to live your life or do you want to continue to live your story? Wow. Mm. Unpack this a little bit. Why did that so profoundly impact you? Well, I grew up from humble beginnings in South Atlanta and uh, come from a world of um, some violence, both inside and out of the home. And I never dealt with any of those wounds as a young man. And so here I was, I was 36 years old at the time he asked me that. And I was on the top of my game. I was a principal in a large financial firm, um, had found the money, had found the title, had found the prestige. I thought I had lived the American dream, right? I'd made it to the top of the corporate ladder, found success. So why was I so unhappy? And when I couldn't find happiness through power or money or the next title or the next deal, Dan, I turned to all the things that sometimes we turn to, to try to fill that hole inside. And so um, I went through this massive transformation after finding myself um, literally waking up in a ditch in downtown Atlanta, looking up at the blue sky, thinking, how in the world did I get here and why am I here? And I said, you know what? I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to invest in myself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And I met this mentor at this place right outside of Nashville, Tennessee called Onsite. And it's a seven-day workshop to help you find who you are. And he looked at me and I was just telling him about, you know, I was just emotionally vomiting on him over and over and over again. And he finally just said, stop, just stop. Are you ready to live your life? Or you want to continue living that story? Wow. And I was like, wow. I was letting these wounds and victimhood and anchors from things that were outside of my control as a young man continue to anchor me down and dictate how I was living my life, both from a principle and integrity standpoint. And he said, enough is enough. It's time for you to let go of those wounds, do some work around forgiveness, get in a place of abundance and gratitude and start living your life today. And as he answered, and Brene Brown say, you can, you know, you can't control the past, but you can always write the end to your story. And he was telling me to go live my life. It was so profound. It was like he punched me right in the face when he said it. Wow. That is amazing. You know, I know a lot of people listening can identify with that. So you were 36 years old and you knew what your story was. You thought you were living the American dream. Were you clear as the, in the way that he confronted you with that, Were you clear with what you wanted 
what kind of life you wanted to live? Or was that pretty I wasn't. Not at the time. Okay. And you you have to remember, I just went through a massive transformation. And for the first time in my, in my life, I allowed myself to feel again. So this, this workshop in Tennessee allowed, it cut me open for four days, then put me back together for three. And so I was feeling again, I was, I was becoming the real me. And it started me on this journey of self-improvement, self-development and figuring out who the real Tommy is. So I could stop playing and hiding behind all these masks. I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I know I wanted to live my life and no longer live that story that was inside my head. Dan, at the end of the day, it was just this little boy who wanted to be seen, heard, and loved and, and, and just be validated, validated, validated. And so that when, it, when the money, the power, the prestige, the title, the fame didn't do it for me, I turned to everything else that's just not healthy in life. And that's what led to a really the second collapse in my life at 36 years old. And that's when I decided to double down and do the hard work, invest in myself. And he said, it's time to start living your life. And then it was time for me to figure out what that actually meant. So it was actually at the very beginning of my journey. Okay. All right. Now, a lot of people listening uh, are going to insert here a spiritual transformation, you know, and see that as, okay, this is a quick fix. I hear what Tommy's saying. I know what he needs to do. Now, we know how that is typically framed in evangelical Christian America, but we also know that in reality, that is a process. No matter what you call it, it is a process. And you describe that transformation, spiritual, philosophical, psychological, that you're walking into. Now, part of that is then you describe a three-part process for discovering our purpose. This is a really common question for people. Framed perhaps not by, with the dramatic setup that you described there, but a position we all come to. What is my purpose? You give kind of a three-part formula for that. Can you help us understand what those steps are? Absolutely. And so the first thing I want to address is something you said is that this work, this mental, emotional physical, spiritual fortress. It's a daily process that we need to cultivate those muscles every day. So I want to point that out. So 10 years into this journey, I still cultivate those muscles each and every day so that they stay strong. That is is important too. So this is not not a one-time, you know, we read in the Bible about the road to Damascus experience and all that, and people equate that to whoosh and everything is okay. This is a process. (laughs) And it's work. And you've got to choose to do the work each and every day. So I just wanted to point that out, that my journey continues to this day. Um, I'm like you, Dan. I believe that we all have a purpose. Um, It's a core belief of mine that we were put here on this earth for a reason. I also am a firm believer that our purpose changes throughout the seasons of our life, but we always have a purpose here on this planet until our last breath. Um, And so me, if you, if you find yourself looking up at the sky and asking, why am I here? This three prong formula actually helps you with that. The first thing is, is we all have these God given talents that things that we're really good at. And if you don't know what these, those are, ask your closest friends, colleagues, mentors, or people, what are my God given talents? And here's a hint. It's things that people come to you for advice. Those are usually things that you're really good at. The second thing is, is you've got to find that whatever you're good at, you have to truly enjoy it because that's where the passion and fulfillment comes from. So step one, figure out what you're really good at, your God-given talents. Step two is you have to actually love that because you want to do it. And the second thing, the third thing is, and here's where the fulfillment comes in. Here's the higher piece, the servitude is what is it that you think the world's, the world needs. And so you've got to love it. You've got to be good at it. And you've got to use your God given talents with something you enjoy to go serve this world to make it better. And if you don't really know what the world needs, you actually do think about what really makes you mad. 
The flip side of that is your core values and your principles. And so that's what you stand for. That's what you believe in. That's what you'd fight for. And every one of us can use our God-given talents and things that we enjoy to serve this world or humans in some sort of capacity so that we leave this world a better place than we found it. And again, your purpose can change throughout the season of your life. So that's a quick way of finding it. And so um, it's an art and a science. It's just not a snap your fingers. And so it's a really cool thing. But once you find it, you will experience and you have to take action on that purpose. And when you do that, you'll find a significantly more fulfillment in your life. You know, I've never heard that method of backing into your values, your core values. What is it that you get angry about? The flip side of that, I love that. That I absolutely wow. Well, (laughs) because sometimes we ask, "What do we? What do we? What do we? We won't know, but then we'll really instantly know what makes us angry." And the flip side of that's what we care about, what we believe in, what we fight for. Right? I I had so many people pop through my mind instantly when you said that. People that I know are passionate about what they dislike, and yeah, on the other side, I can see what they care about, what their values are. That's a cool. That's a cool hack there. All right. Now, we talk in this community a lot about finding your zone of genius. I mean, most people uh, are yes. familiar with Gay Hendricks' book. Gay Hendricks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, so we use that terminology a lot. And you say in Legendary, when we stray from our zone of brilliance or genius, we move into areas we're less competent in. In the end, we hurt ourselves because we aren't doing what we enjoy. We take away the chance for others to work in their zone of brilliance when we do everything ourselves. Now that's, boy, that, that, that's kind of like a punch in the gut, not just for, you know, the guy who's working on an assembly line somewhere and wants to get out of there, but also for business owners and entrepreneurs who tend to do a lot of things just because they're multi-talented. They tend to do a lot of things that really are outside their zone of brilliance. How can we combat the tendency to see doing lots of things as a strength? Well, first of all, it's a choice. And so a lot of us entrepreneurs, and I say us because I'm guilty of all these things and struggle from all these things, is we, some of us struggle from perfectionism and thinking we can do it all. Uh, sometimes it's a money decision that we want to do administration, operations, marketing, sales, client service, et cetera. And a lot of times it's a control issue as well. And so we want to feel like we're in control. (laughs) We want to be perfect. And we think if we don't do it, it won't get done. And usually when we start, say it's a great coaching practice, speaking practice, or you're an author, or you're in technology, or whatever it is, there's a reason you either go into your career or you choose this particular area to start your own company. And that passion is your zone of brilliance. You're good at it. You love it. And it's what you did. And the name that comes up to me that time and time again is Steve Jobs. When he strayed from innovation and product development, he got fired from his own company. And when he got, when he came back and he only focused on innovation and product development and making the best product technology that he can, and surrounded himself with a great financial people, great accountants, great salespeople. He stayed in his zone of brilliance. The company flourished. He flourished as a human, and he found peace of mind later in life. And so for all of us, it's, it's, it's not easy to do. I mean, you've got to unwind it. So we need to surround our people, ourselves with people who are good at what we're not. We've got to let go of that control and perfectionist. And we also, to me, it's, it's a little bit of time blocking too. And so for me, Dan, if I'm not working somewhere between two and four days, either serving clients as a coach, speaking or writing, which is my zone of brilliance, is what I really lights me up and I enjoy and fulfills me. And, I, and I've been told I'm really good at it. When I stray away from that, start leaning into marketing or leaning into sales and start talking about accounting and finance, I'm not trusting the people around me. And A, I don't like it. And B, it's taken away from the deep work that we were put here to do. And so I think for us entrepreneurs, it's a real struggle because we want to control and be perfect in everything and think, put our hands on everything. And sometimes it's better to surrender and let go and get back to what we were good at to find happiness in what we do. All right. Yeah, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, brother. <laughs> now, you've been, though, I want to I go a little bit deeper on this. You've been in very large corporations, and you've been very streamlined as a solopreneur, kind of building your own business now again. You know, we have a lot of people 
in our audience who really are solopreneurs and think, well, that's Steve Jobs, that's fine. You have, you know, hundreds of people working for you. How can somebody surround themselves with people whose skills complement their own in ways that don't require having a big payroll and, you know, people showing up at your office? In today's environment, we've got some pretty cool choices. Absolutely. Um, so what we've done in our, I'll tell you exactly what we've done. We found, um, we've now got four people um, working with me, but they are 100% in line with our purpose, our values, what we stand for. They love the work that we do. That, that we do. And here's the kicker, their talents and their zones of brilliance are extremely different than I am. And they're very good at what they do. And so there's, there's all sorts of different ways that you can work with people from, and I, this is getting very tactical from bartering to equity agreements to it, sometimes we just love the work and we build the company together. So we've got to let, let go a little bit of our fear of control and, and what's going to happen in the future. Trust people who believe in what we're do and get at what we're do. And there's all sorts of alternative compensation agreements or equity agreements or barter agreements, or it, it, sometimes the fun as solopreneurs is it's first of all, we got to let go a little bit. We got to let go. And there's, there's probably some fear in there when it comes to money and, and giving up some of our stuff. But once we work on from an abundance mindset, trust these people and build the company together, it flows a lot more. So I'll give you an example for me. If for the first two years of this practice, I didn't take a single dime out of it. And I had just saved and I doubled down, invested in the people, invested in the technology, invested in systems, invested in the marketing, invested ultimately in this book. And so um, it's just a choice I made to live a, a different way in order to build something that I believed in and surrounded myself with people who also believed in it with me. Well, you've given us some great tips there. And also for those people just starting out, I mean, I I have, I have a bookkeeper. I can't justify a bookkeeper working 40 hours a week for me. She comes in one morning a month and then does her work outside of that. So with with VAs, independent contractors, virtual assistants, all of those things, you can complement your skills without having immediately big payroll to fill. Absolutely. Well, you go through multiple areas of our lives in your book, Legendary, but you've got a chapter titled Financial Freedom. And in there, Mm. boy, there was one thing that really jumped out at me that I want you to help us understand. You say this, this is a pretty bold prediction. You say, if I took every dollar, peso, and yen in the world and divided it up equally between the billions of people on this planet, I guarantee within a hundred years, the majority of the money would be back in the hands of 5% of the population. The people who've developed their money mindsets and have positive energy around wealth. What is money mindset that is required to be entrusted with wealth? So I'm classically trained, certified public accountant. I was a financial consultant for 22 years from firms like Deloitte and other very large firms and did tons of mergers and acquisitions. So I am very classically trained in all things money, profitability, investments, and wealth building. Here's the key, though. I can teach you every tool in the world on how to build wealth, save, budget, you name it. We can, we can list all these fancy words out there to help people become money conscious. Unfortunately, if you don't have a money mindset, and what that means is if you have limiting beliefs around money and you think it's scared, there's a scarcity mentality, I'm not worthy and good enough for money or only those people have money or they're lucky. Well, they're not lucky. They first educate themselves in anything and all things money. And I think we have a responsibility both as society and as individuals to learn as much as we can about money because it's if we're, and I believe this too, if we're really good people and we make a lot of money, we'll make a very big positive impact in this world. And so for me, I see it time and time again, people want to step over a dollar to get to a dime. And that is literally a scarcity mindset. So money is not just about practical, tactical tools of budgeting, investing, cash flow, real estate, building a company. It's also we've got to train our heart and mind muscles to know that there is enough money out there for all of us. We don't have to compete or conquer to get it. And that we've got to believe that we are worthy enough and and money is going to come to us easily, frequently, and abundantly. And that is training. So we've got to train our heart muscles and our 
mindset muscles, just as we do our education muscles as we build these companies. So there's so many of us um, that get caught up in we're not good enough. We're, we're not worthy enough to have money. And if you believe that, it's going to be true. And here's the statistics. Look at lottery winners. They've done nothing to build their heart and mind muscles when they come into all that money. And statistically, a high, high percentage, I think it's even in the 90s, are broke within three to four years after winning millions of dollars. And that has to do with not only mechanics, but it has to do with their beliefs and thoughts around money as well. All right. Now, I grew up very, very poor. And, you know, grew up on a farm. I remember when we bought one cow, milked that cow by hand, then ultimately get up to 12 that we were milking by hand before we got any milking machines. We were, we were really poor. My Christmas gift was usually a pair of jeans and an orange, literally, for Christmas Day. That was it. No toys, fancy things. In moving into this space where we can leverage information and knowledge, where money can show up while we're sleeping, it's a very, mm. very different world than what I grew up in. It's very humbling for me to go through that. But I know there are a lot of people who are also listening who have gone through that. And you mentioned there that limiting belief. If we've had a background where we were used to very, very little, it requires a mindset shift in order to be able to accept money when it comes a little easier. Any other tips for how we overcome? And because we, we are usually referring to that term, the upper limit challenge or limiting beliefs. Mm. You know, this is not just a mental decision. It has more to do with training your heart as you can. Can you give us any other tips for changing that so that we remove the barriers, those limiting beliefs that we may have? I'm going to give you what I did because um, I had very limiting beliefs. I also grew up humbly, not quite as humbly as you did, Dan, but, you know, we were a good, solid blue collar part of South Atlanta. And my dad, you know, he worked hard. We took vacations, but we never had any any kind of real money to do any extravagant things. So very, very blue collar. So I would say a bunch, here's a couple things you can do. Here's what I did. So first of all, read everything you can get your hands on around money, money mindsets, investing, law of attraction, anything around. And there's bazillions of books. I, I think uh, there's two books, Leg Building and Living a Legendary Life talks a lot about money mindset, emotional stability, mental stability, uh, 48 days to the work you love. I mean, I, <laughs> I think there's another book around that, but get everything you can to read because the more you read in the space of the law of attraction, abundance, money mindset, the more you'll start believing it. And, and you've just got to take action and read. And there's a lot of libraries around that have a lot of amazing books books around self-improvement, self-development, and developing your mind and heart muscles around money. Second thing is surround yourself with people who read about people. First of all, read about people that inspire you. There's millions and millions and millions of people who grew up humbly, who have found wealth by developing these heart, mind, muscles, and also their skills around money. Pick those people and follow what they did. The last thing I would say is not only read, but you also, and then we'll, we'll get to this, I think, in a minute. We need to develop and cultivate a space of unconditional love for ourselves and, and also develop that mental mindset. So all of us have something, I call it the Tommy go round. We have this, the, these thoughts in our heads that tell us we're not good enough. What if they figure out, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. We all have these fears and insecurities. No one's alone from those. Every single human being has on earth, but they're tools from meditation to gratitude exercises, to daily reads, to prayer, to journaling that help us overcome a not being unconditionally loving to ourselves so that we can love others and we can live in a place of gratitude and abundance, but also live in the present moment through other exercises like meditation. I know I'm throwing a lot at you here, but here's the final one. All the great books, all the great teachers from the beginning of time say this, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And if the five people you're spending the most time with are angry or they're scared or they believe it's an us versus them, they're victims, um, they're entitled, or they believe money is for those people out there, you're probably hanging with the wrong people. So you've got to start surrounding yourself with people who A, love and support you, B, who are also working to better themselves emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and professionally, and C, just start building your tribe and following the 
the people that inspire you. And there is countless stories, countless upon countless upon your two of them are on this call, uh, the, this podcast that have literally come from humble beginnings, who've done the work, who've invested in themselves and who have now moved beyond and believe that. And we, we have mailbox money now. It's amazing what comes to us when we sleep. And it's because we believe, but we also have done the hard work to overcome our past. Wow. Jeez, you packed a lot. That you just wrote that was another, a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just wrote another book right there. That's awesome. And those are very, very, in as much as they're you know theoretical concept, they're very doable steps that you describe. 100%. Those are things somebody can do. Books <clears throat> open my world to bigger opportunities. As a kid, we were so poor we didn't have radio or TV, and um, at all. And books were my door to a bigger future. So, oh my gosh, I resonate with what you just said. But now that kind of sets up the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because in a chapter called Conquering Our Time, you say mm. the difference is successful people choose to prioritize important people and task over everything else. And my question, and especially based on what you just shared there, Tommy, is does this position us as elitist? You know, we're just going to hang around important people. Here's how I define important. Yeah. Okay. People who important people to me, and it has nothing to do with, it's interesting. The more successful you come, it's, it's interesting that you tend to surround yourself with people who believe in what you believe in, who are also successful, but they become successful in my world. And in your world, Dan, from being really good people who do the hard work, who believe in impacting and serving others. So important people to me are in people who lift us up, who truly want us to be successful, who don't live in a space of envy, judgment, anger, resentment. And the, the here's the three sins for me. I think these are hard to overcome is entitlement, apathy, and victimhood. And so for me, um, it's been interesting because of the success of the book recently with the wall street journal and USA today. It's amazing. The people that you don't expect that come out and they're just celebrating your success. They're loving on you. They're wanting to support you. It comes from the least expected places and the places that you've cultivated these long-term loving, what you thought were loving relationships, how the resentment and jealousy and saying you got lucky and anchor you down. So to me, important people implies that these are the people who lift you up, who love you, who are also honest and transparent with you and need to kick you in the face sometimes when you breach your core values, your integrity systems. And so to me, it's so incredibly important who you spend your time with. And I'm not, they don't have to be rich. I don't, who cares about the money? They just have to be serving, impactful, loving, good people who believe in what you do and vice versa. And to me, who push you to make you better. And so to me, that's the important people. If we're going to hang out with people who are angry or resentful or who don't support us, who are are not happy for our success or vice versa, they're just going to bring us down and they become emotional vampires. And we're going to get, we're going to get right down in the pit with them. So that's what I mean by important people. Well, you just erased all those common parameters for identifying, you know, important people, because it's not based on financial net worth or what the portfolio is and all those kind of things. In my value proposition statement, Tommy, you know, I say that I help high potential individuals understand and apply their unique and most powerful talents and passions so they can make a larger impact, leave a legacy and thrive financially. And sometimes people say, oh, high potential individuals, you know, that does... No, that doesn't mean that you have net worth of a million dollars. I work with people, you know, some of the gals that Joanne helps coming right out of prison. They have zero mm. assets, but they're high potential because they have the mindset that you're describing. And we invest in them because we know they're going to be our cheerleaders as we are theirs, but they have the mindset to move them into their own greatness. Oh, Jeez, I love that. Two of the biggest people in my life, real quickly. One is a part-time maintenance person at a Presbyterian church, a big Presbyterian church in Virginia Beach. He's been a mentor, a friend. I lift him up. He lifts me up. I care less if he was worth $10 billion or $2, and I know how much he makes, and it's not very much. He is the most peaceful, content, loving, good man wow. I possibly know. And one of my other spiritual teachers has chosen to give up a big career just to serve others. So it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with 
impact, service, and love? And are we both lifting each other up and helping each other in some way? And so, and both of these individuals, by the way, are much older than me. And they're always thankful for to me. I'm like, no, no, it is my honor to be spending time with you because you make my life so much better. So it's just amazing. It has nothing to do with success or financial value. It has to do everything with impact and service and making us better, right? And vice versa. Oh my. So how do we attract and develop relationships with the people that we want in our inner circle. And here's another thing I want to throw in kind of a caveat there too, because I hear from a lot of people, well, you know, my family of origin doesn't support me. Gee, my family thinks I'm nuts, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't have the kind of relationships I want there. How do we attract and develop relationship with people we want in our inner circle? And also, is that likely to change over time? Oh, 100%. Um, and so for me, um, it, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, but first you have to look at those around you. And that doesn't mean when you decide to spend less time, you know, instantly if someone brings you down or lifts you up, you know, in your heart, you can feel them when they walk in the room, there's probably a great aunt or an uncle you have that they walk in the room and it just lifts the whole place up. That's who you want to surround yourself with and vice versa. And so our family of origin, we can't, we can't select them. We're born into it. Um, that doesn't mean we don't love them, but that doesn't also mean we don't set boundaries around them to teach them how to treat us. And so um, developing your inner circle, it's amazing. This, there's going to be a little woo-woo and I'm going to give you a little tactical. We'll start with the woo-woo. When you start doing the work, and I'm talking about the self-development, self-realization to reveal who you were born to be, I call it like climbing a mountain. When you start doing self-development and you start reading and developing gratitude exercises and meditation exercises, and you just constantly cultivate growth, goodness, love, and abundance in your life, it's like climbing a mountain. And the view changes. And so the people in your life who have chosen not to climb that mountain, they don't see the same things you do. And what's amazing to me is other like-minded people, once you start putting love, goodness, it like and light attracts light. I know it sounds so strange, but I can't tell you how many people appear in my life that I've never met in my life that just come in from a place of service. How do I help you? One of them is on the other end of this podcast. His name Dan Miller. And so I, you know, we had never met and, but our networks had started, they just start intertwining. And then we realize how many people we know and how many people we know are trying to do great things in the world. And we want to help each other. So first of all, you have to cultivate unconditional self-love and respect for yourself. And that's by doing the work and climbing the mountain. Um, that doesn't mean you're, you don't love the people that change. That just means, <laughs> that just means your taste for them and their taste for you change over time. And that, again, you want them to the best, but you need to surround yourself with people who make you better. And there's usually one person in your life. Just start with that one person that you feel like is loving and supportive. And it's just always there for you. And who lifts you up. That's the start to your inner circle. That's it right there. It only takes one. And so there's only so many relationships. We can cultivate a lot, but close relationships, your inner circle, you can't cultivate. And always in, in, it never hurts to start when someone inspires you or someone says something or a kind word, or you see someone around you that you think, Hey, I'd really like to know them better. You know, ask them for a cup of coffee, send them an email, but here's the key. There's a rookie move. Don't ask to pick their brain. (laughs) Just don't do that because that's saying, hey, let me use you to make you better. Always come from a place. All of us have something called a currency. And it could just be a smile. It could be, how can I help? Hey, Dan, how can I help you make your practice better? Or how can I make an introduction for you? Or can I make your life a little easier? Or can I sit here and just take your trash out? There's a currency that we can bring to every single people in the world. And sometimes it's just a smile or a kind word. But come from a place of service and sit down with people who you love and admire, start small, think big, but people that are around you, ask them for a cup of coffee. How can you help them? And just come from a place of love, service, and abundance, and they will come to bat for you tenfold. And so that's a tactical step that you can take. And there's a bunch more that you can do. But first of all, you've got to, you got to eliminate the noise around you. You got to get the negative Nellies and all those people who are sucking the soul out of your body. You got to get them out of your life. 
Find one or two people that you really love, that you enjoy being around. Start supporting them in everything they do. They'll start supporting you in everything they do. And watch your inner circle just grow and grow and grow when you come from a place of service and love as opposed to take and help me, help me, help me. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see when you apply those things in your life, how they come back to your 10x. Oh, wow. You know, I've always been pretty bold about asking to spend time who are already living at the level at which I wanted to live. And I think that's one of the real characteristics of successful people. They spend time with people who are already performing at a level at which they want to perform. Now, the, the interesting thing is, I often hear from people who say, well, you know, I don't have those kind of people, and I don't have those kind of people who are already successful that I want to be like, and those that I know, well, they never want to spend time with me. They don't realize how successful people are more generous with sharing, helping, encouraging than those who have nothing. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we want to give back. We want to help. We want to serve, but I don't know if you're like me, Dan, I don't want to be used. And I want, I want it to be a quid pro quo because I believe, and you're, I think you're the same way. I can learn from every single human being. I meet something. And so I'm always interested in who they are, what they stand for, what cool thing they're working on, who's coming with them and where are they going? Not even, I don't really care what they do for a living. So when you approach someone and you come from a place of service and love, and I just, and and you just develop a relationship that's honest, transparent, natural, amazing things happen. And I'm with you, be bold, reach out. And I tell you, it, it doesn't matter if they don't respond it doesn't go to the next person or keep going. And eventually they will respond that you are going to find your tribe. You've just got to put the intention and the goodness out there and it will find you as well. And also there's a, again, it goes back to believe you've got to believe that you are worthy to be successful, happy, fulfilled and surrounding yourself with great people. Oh my. Well, I want to move on to a couple other points. In, in your book. And it really builds on what we're talking about right here. Because you say when we root for people to fail and collapse, suffering always comes back to us tenfold. You know, there's a lot mm. of people today pointing fingers. They're angry and they want other people to suffer, to pull them down to their level. And then you say, of course, the reverse is true. When we want those around us to be successful, successful certainly follow us. Now that seems like a real obvious kind of principle. And yet so many people violate that they're lashing out at other people as they think they're trying to be successful themselves. Can you give us a little more insight on that? And maybe even a story or two about how rooting for somebody else to be successful added to your own. Absolutely. And I want to start here. I'm going to start in a place that you probably don't think I'm going to start our news. Unfortunately, today, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you sit on. Our news has one function, and it's, it's kind of sad. It's meant to divide us and scare us because that's what sells for them. That's what makes them money. The more we're scared and the more we're divided, and it, when we're surrounded by these 24, and then we've got social media, which also has that powerful impact that people are putting out negativity and political jargon, but social media also has another impact for us as well. It promotes envy and jealousy because people are putting their best selves on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Look how happy and successful and look at this trip and blah, 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 blah. So we're constantly getting inundated with noise and that noise seeps down into our hearts and souls. And it's hard for us to, unless we have tools to block it out, we start becoming angry, resentful victims. We start getting mad. And so the first thing I would say is we've got to cut out the noise because we'll become the noise. You know, if we surround ourselves with that constant fear and division, we'll become fear and division. If we surround ourselves with angry talking heads or angry people in our lives, we'll become angry. And then we, we, we start feeling, you feel that in your soul and you start rooting against people as opposed to for people. And so, you know, Chris, tough very well. So I've got a, several people in my life who have just exploded recently in success, love, and abundance. And when I shifted to, well, they're lucky or why them or, oh, whatever, you know, if I start, you know, I start comparing, competing and come from a place of envy, which is just not a good place. I find that I never found true success in my life. But as I kept developing these heart and mind and soul muscles in my body, and again, I do it every single day, I do the work every day, 
I found myself starting to root for people's success and being inspired by it. Like I see Dara Brewstein, who's such a good friend of mine. I mean, she is just crushing it. She's doing interviews with Deepak Chopra and building a business and getting married and finding financial success and happiness. life. Chris Tuck, and I just root for him and I ask him, how can I help you? And, and, and it's literally becomes natural. You're like, oh my. And then people want to surround themselves with people who want them to win. Right. And so it's a, it's a place of like attracts like, I know that sounds so strange, but if you're a light in this world and you want people to succeed and be happy, whatever that means to them and you root for them and you actively help them get there, it's the golden rule. It comes back to you a thousand X, but if we root for people to fail or we root harm for them, it comes back to us in spades. We're the one who feels the poison. We're the ones who feels the darkness. And ultimately we're the ones who will be unsuccessful because that we're pulling for other people to be unsuccessful, which is, which is the dark side of life. And that's just truth. If people understood what you just shared in the last two minutes, I mean, to transform our world. Because there's so many people on the other side of that who are criticizing, complaining, blaming, pointing fingers, wanting harm to come to other people. And again, the principle seems so obvious, and yet it's heartbreaking how we see it being violated. Well, Chris, there's a couple of... You know the sad fact, Dan? Here's the... And this is just going to sound harsh. If you're unhappy or angry or unfulfilled in life... I'm being serious here. I want you to go find the, f- the closest mirror and look in it. That's the problem. Wow. So you can take the choice. You can make the choice to be better than we were yesterday. Start reading, start doing some of these tactics we're talking about, start cultivating unconditional love for yourself, mastering your mindset and start doing the hard work to being better than you were yesterday and baby small steps. And all of this love, goodness, happiness, success, money, it will come. You just got to be patient and do the work. But if you constantly blame others or you're a victim or it's their fault or woe is me and and just angry, resentful and jealous, that's going to come back to you tenfold. I know that's very harsh, but I've lived both sides of this coin and I do it every day in my life. And I see the transformation when people start doing the hard work and believing in and loving themselves so they can believe in loving others. Now, you've mentioned from the beginning of our conversation that this is a process. These are things that we can do, not particularly easy, maybe, but once we understand them, they're very doable. You describe that there's one single most beneficial skill that you've ever developed. I love this. it, it's close. It, there's two, but there's a, cl- there's a, the number one is gratitude. It, it, it's changed my life. Number one is gratitude. It's, it's, uh, it's the practice of gratitude. It does two things for me and it does two things for all of us. I believe, first of all, it gets us in the present moment and it gets us grateful for what we do have, which is all this abundance talk that we're talking about. It's not what we don't have, what we wish we had or wish we were or wish we looked like or when, if, and more. It's what we have right now. And every single morning of every single day, I write down between five and 10 things I'm grateful for. And it can be from the breath in my lungs to the beautiful chirping of the bird outside to the fact that I live in a free country to my heart is beating. I get to serve one more day. I mean, the list, if you truly look around, I mean, you could look around your office and I've been in your office. It's amazing. You could find 10,000 things that you're grateful for. If you look at your body and your heart, the fact that someone loves you, the fact that, I mean, there's so the list is countless of the things that we actually do have in our life gets us in a place of love, gets a place in abundance. It gets in a place of appreciation for what we do have. And it gets us right here, right now, not in the future, wishing we had something else. And so for me, I write five to 10 things down every day. When I shut my eyes at night, I literally shut my eyes and I say, thank you. I also say a prayer and silently to myself, I do three or four more. It helps me find a a beautiful place to sleep. And here's the biggest one I do. And this is a practice. It's all a practice. You know, you've just got to get up and do it. And what you're doing is rewiring yourself because we're wired again for that fear and that anger and that division. It just rewires yourself. And here's a, here's a really cool one, but this takes cultivation and practice. When you find yourself throughout the day and we all have it I, to this day, you know, I, I do, I get angry, I get scared, I get insecure. I immediately stop. I take a deep breath 
silently in my head, I say something I'm grateful for. And within seconds and sometimes even milliseconds, that fear, that insecurity, that worry, that anger, you're switching it back to a place of love and abundance. And over time, it's amazing. You'll just feel that gratitude and abundance. It almost becomes natural because you're just cultivating that muscle and working out it. And you just eventually rewire your heart, your mind, and your soul. And it will be the single most life-changing thing you ever, ever do. Because at the end of the day, when you live in gratitude and love, you spread gratitude and love. And, and that's what people remember for. And that's what legends are and legacy is made out of. You can't take the U-Haul with you. Uh, <laughs> so you're not bringing in your stuff and, and no one's going to read your resume at your funeral. And so that to me is the single biggest changing thing that I've implemented in my life and do it every single day. And by the way, this is funny. I require every single one of my clients to do it too. We really? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Teach them. Well, I know you have a practice as well, a tactical practice, whereby at least once a day, you, via text, email, phone, or something, tell another person how grateful you are for them. And you say, 100%. and you say, if you do that, you watch your friendships flourish. It's crazy. Watch the authenticity. Per and at first, some of them are going to like, what's wrong with you? Why are you saying all this uh. stuff? But over time, <laughs> you'll start receiving it back. Um, it's probably more than one. I'm probably up to 10 or 15 a day. I've got this group of people that I just love, trust, and totally believe in. And I am so thankful that these people love me, that they hold me accountable, that they respect me, they help make me better, and I do that for them. And so text, phone calls, sometimes video messages, it's, it's just a great practice to be in to let people know, because not only do we need to give love, we need to receive love. And so when someone tells you they're grateful for you, that's a good time for us to practice receiving, which is hard for some of us wow. and, and soak that in because that helps us to believe, yes, we are worthy of love. Yes, we are valuable. Yes, we are enough. And so gratitude is such a, it, you talk about changing the world. People practice a formal and informal gratitude practice throughout the day. It would change, it would change everything everything. Well, I've been on a receiving end of those expressions from you and it never gets old. Believe me, it never gets old. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? <laughs> no. Well, you've written this book on becoming a legend, you know, and with your definition of legendary, do you think it's possible for anyone to achieve that status? A thousand percent. And the reason we chose the word legendary, you don't have to be Jesus or Martin Luther King or, you know, these great mega leaders, you know, or LeBron James, that's a legend on the basketball court. But there's also, here's the flip side of it. There's also been some horrific legends over history. Think the Hitlers of the world, the Saddam Husseins. And so what I love about the word legendary, it's given to us by society, our peers and families in a world of constant self-promotion. If we start calling ourselves legends, people laugh us out of the room. And so we can either choose to be legendary in a good way or legendary in a bad way. And legendary has nothing to do with how much money you make. Although I'm a big believer in money, especially for people who are doing the work because they can make great impact in this world. But legends have, like, I, and I'll use our good friend, Aaron Walker's father. Aaron Walker's father was not a good businessman, um, but he was an unbelievable man in his community and his service. And he was usually the first to show up when things happen. Apparently, when he passed away, there was a line, I think Aaron waited three, four, five hours for just people telling Aaron how much his father meant to them and all of the great things he did for them. I was there. I saw that. What could be more powerful than that? is a legend and he wasn't rich, but he was rich in all the, you know, financially rich, but he was rich in the soul. He was rich in the heart. And there's a special place in heaven for people like that. And to me, legendary is about leaving a lasting impact, a legacy of love and leaving this beautiful planet and the humans that you touch better than we found them. And that's what this book is all about. And that was, that's what legendary and I'm no legend, but I'm working really, really, really hard to hopefully when my day comes, I'll be remembered to someone who left this world better than I found it. Wow. Well, Tommy, I appreciate you spending this time with us. I know you are living what you talk about. I've known you for a long time. I've had the privilege of having you and Chris Tuff spend an entire day just brainstorming here 
in the sanctuary with me. You were a very integral part of helping define the title for my next book, An Understanding Heart. <laughs> I'll share that story at another time. Beautiful. But I so appreciate your your friendship, being part of your inner circle, and you with mine. How can we connect with you, your resources, and your ongoing inspiring message, and get the copy of the book? Uh, the, so we're very blessed that the e-copy exploded in all the right good ways. It did. It hit USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling list in the first week. So we're super excited about that. Um, you can you can pick up the book anywhere. You can pick it up on Amazon. You can pick it up in Barnes and Noble, Goodreads. I mean, it's going to be in every airport bookstore here within. A, actually, when this is released, it'll already be in bookstores and everything. So you can find the book anywhere. And it really is simple tactics, stories, and things that you can apply in your life to build a legendary life, conquering your time, mindset, money, et cetera. We cover it all. We don't leave anything out, including intimate relationships with our significant others and our friends and family. Um, so that's where you can pick it up. You can go to my website, tommybreedlove.com backslash or front forward slash gifts. And you can download what I, a one page document of building and legendary building and living a legendary life plan. It's literally how I live my life every day. I give you a one page document and there's a blank one for you to fill out. It was cool. I was at an advertising agent recently and my life was hung out on all these cubes. So that was kind of humbling and cool to see that people had built one for themselves and holding themselves. And then, and also there is a one page the, what we talked about with purpose here, you can download that purpose formula and build one of your own as well. So just tommybreedlove.com front slash gifts. Love to give that to you. Awesome. Well, man, thanks so much. Well, we encourage everybody listening to start creating their own legendary life. So blessings to you. I pray for prosperity and health for you and those you care about. And again, happy to be included in that group. So blessings to you, my friend. You as well, my brother. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that interview. So many practical points in there things we can use, things that I'm going to use. I love how he framed some of the things that I know I've been thinking about, but he just framed it in a way that really connected. So make sure that you go to tommybreedlove.com slash gifts for the free worksheets for some of the things that we talked about. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's inspired you to live a life that's legendary. And above all, just remember that together we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.